Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... We've got good news. The world is open again, and people like you, people of faith, are traveling to Catholic sites around the world. Want to travel with exceptional Catholic leaders this fall, next year, or in the future? Are you looking to see specific sites, celebrate traditional Latin Mass, or travel to destinations without vaccine requirements? We are here to help you deepen your faith on pilgrimage. Give us a call at 1-800-842-4842 or visit us online at selectinternationaltours.com. Select International Tours is your pilgrimage company, and we have the perfect Catholic trip for you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Welcome back to The Shepherd's Pie, a slice of hope to raise faithful kids. I'm Tony Kolank. I teach at Ave Maria School of Law, have five kids, and I'm also a columnist for a homeschooling magazine. And I'm also the author of the young adult fiction series, The Harwood Mysteries, which, by the way, I'm super excited about. I just got done doing the final edits on book five, which is coming out this October, Murder at Penwood Manor. So again, uh, take a look for that. And if you have kids who want to do some good summer reading and they're teenagers and you haven't checked out my series, check it out on my website. But today we're speaking with Mary Ellen Barrett, a homeschooling mother and the director of special projects for Seton Home Study School. And we're going to be talking about homeschooling and especially some summertime ideas for homeschoolers. I am so happy today to have as my guest, Mary Ellen Barrett. She has been a homeschooling mom for 21 years. She's the director of special projects for Seton Home Study School, as well as an editor with Seton Magazine. She also is the host of the Stay at Homeschooling Moms podcast, which we'll be talking about a little bit during our program today. She was a columnist for the Long Island Catholic for over 15 years, and of course, she's married and a mother of eight kids. Mary Ellen, welcome to The Shepherd's Pie. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. There's two kind of intro things. How is it that you got into writing and being able to even be a podcaster? I started writing. My first job out of college was for an investment bank. My first job was to rewrite things that Wharton Business School graduates had written because they couldn't really string two sentences together and sound like they went to business school. So that led into marketing. And then when I had my first son, I stayed at home and had a little bit of a side business of business writing, doing that kind of thing freelance. But it became an awful lot of work with a baby. So I stopped for a little while and just started writing a blog. I started really rediscovering my, my faith and writing a lot about Catholicism. And then when I started homeschooling, I started my blog, which was Tales from the Bonnie Blue House. And a friend of mine got in touch with the editor-in-chief of the Long Island Catholic and said, she writes really good. She lives on Long Island. You should hire her. And he did. He did. So I wrote for them for 15 years. And then because of the writing on the blog and all the homeschooling stuff, I just started 
writing a lot of for homeschooling magazines and just speaking at conferences and things like that. The homeschooling blog is out there. I keep it up, but I don't add to it much anymore. Once your children stop being babies and start having their own lives, it's almost an invasion of their privacy for me to share too much on there. So um, I don't. I have a Substack now that's just my writing for me, but I don't do any more homeschool writing specific to my family. All right. And so now you've been heavily involved with Seton Home Study School, which I know is very popular with a lot of homeschoolers. How did you wind up uh, working for Seton? It's kind of funny because I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> I ended up working for them and I don't know even how I got hired. I was speaking at a lot of homeschooling conferences and they were at the time, the IHM homeschooling conferences, the Immaculate Heart of Mary, they were kind of a subdivision of Seton. Seton helped fund them. The head of Seton Home Study School, a wonderful man, Ken Clark, saw me speak. And so he said, well, why don't you come and work at the table with me and you can encourage moms and, and show them what books to use and how to enroll and things like that. And I said, okay, I can do that. So he started hiring me to do that. And then he'd pick my brain here and there for different projects they were working on and stuff. I don't know, somehow I ended up working there full time. And I'm not even sure how the transition happened. I just, one day I was just a consultant and the next thing I, I know I'm on, I'm on the board of directors, I'm chairman of the board, I am drawing a salary and I'm helping them write curriculum and things. So. Well, that is pretty cool. <laughs> and uh, and I suppose you probably have a similarly interesting story about how you got into this podcast. So maybe let's talk about your podcast a little bit. Yeah, we were at a, a curriculum development meeting. My friend Ginny Suford and I, she works for Seton as well. She's worked there for 20 something years. And we've known each other for years. The powers that be at Seton said, well, you two should really do a podcast. Between us, we have 50 years of experience in homeschooling. So yeah, that's a great idea. We love to talk. We'll do that. We had no idea what we were doing. None, none whatsoever. <laughs> what we do is we just talk about things that homeschooling mothers care about. So sometimes it's how to keep your house clean while you're homeschooling. And sometimes we interview um, people like Joseph Pierce and other big names in, in the homeschooling world and some Newman Guide college presidents and things like that. So it's it's been a wonderful adventure. Let's talk a little bit about homeschooling itself. So some of my listeners are probably folks who have thought about the possibility of homeschooling, maybe never pulled the trigger on it. You've been doing it a very long time. Our family did it, although honestly, we, we never really packed it for uh, high school. Um, so tell us a little bit about how you got interested in homeschooling your kids and how you've been able to do it throughout all these years, especially once they get into high school. I started homeschooling. My oldest son was in third grade and my next oldest daughter was in um, first grade. My oldest son had autism. He was on the spectrum, um, but he had it fairly profoundly. And he was starting to get to a point in school where he was picking up the abnormalities of other kids in his self-contained class. He was getting made fun of. They were moving him along in a no child left behind way where he should have been left behind. He, he wasn't understanding things. And I just said to my husband, I think we can do better than this. He was in the public school and they did fine for what they could do. Um, and my daughter was in the Catholic school. So I had kind of half convinced him to homeschool. We were thinking about it. And then I went to a homeschool event at a local park and all these kids just didn't realize that Ryan was different and they just included him in the game and they just invited him to play. And nobody had ever done that before. He had never had a friend. Nobody, everybody thought he was weird. I cried and I said, this is what I want for him and for all of my children. So I came home and I said to my husband, David, yes, we're going to do this. We can do it for a year. Let me just see how this works. We've been making that decision every year since then. And Ryan had friends and 
The awful part of the story is that six years later, he passed away at the age of 14. But for those six years, he had friends. He had a nice life. And I'm so grateful that we just stepped out in faith and did that. So we've been doing it ever since. Every year, we just make the decision to do it. And even high school, my oldest daughter got into a local, uh, very good Orthodox Catholic school. And then she found out I was expecting twins and didn't want to go. She wanted to stay home and, and be with the baby. So they've all had the opportunity to go to high school. Um, we're not opposed to it, but nobody ever wanted to. It's just worked for our family. You know, I'm sure you've heard the age old criticism of homeschooling is, well, the kids need to be socialized. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure uh, some listeners, if they were even thinking about homeschooling their kids, that's one of the first questions, you know, well, at least if they're at school, they're getting socialized. And if they're at home, they're not going to be socialized. What do you say to those kinds of concerns about homeschooling? Yeah, that one drives me a little nuts because one of the reasons I started homeschooling was so that my son would have friends and, and be socialized. I guess the more um, statistical kind of answer to that is where else in life are you in a room with 25 other people who are your exact same age and live in your same geographic area? That's not socialization. Whereas a homeschooling experience of education is very authentic living. You're out and about, you're, you're going to classes outside of the house, you're doing things inside of the house, you're still going to soccer and dance and all those things all the other kids do. But you're out and meeting people at different ages, different ethnic backgrounds, different financial backgrounds, all kinds of people my kids are very comfortable with. And to me, that's socialization. It's not being locked in a classroom with a bunch of another bunch of eight-year-olds. So it's really much more of an authentic educational experience than a, than a classroom is. Yeah, my wife used to laugh at that, too, because she said, like, the homeschooling kids are the ones who are constantly busy. They're constantly in clubs yeah. and doing things. It's, and then you see some of the kids from maybe a public school or whatever, where they come home from school and they're watching TV and doing homework by themselves or something. And it's like, right. Yeah. But I mean, there are homeschoolers who don't do it right, perhaps, and who can, in fact, isolate their kids and not socialize them. So I'm sure the uh, the criticism was drawn from somewhere, but that's not the experience, I think, of most homeschoolers today, especially if they're interested in it. Uh, at least that's been our experience. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And there, people can do public school badly, too. I mean, anything you pick for your kids, you can do poorly and not give them a great experience. I'm sure most people send their kids to schools, brick and mortar schools, want the very best for them and do the best they can to be involved and have them have a great experience. Same with homeschooling mothers and fathers. They just want very much the best experience for their children. So, okay, so here we are. It's basically summertime, though I have seen that some school districts are starting to toy with the possibility of year-round schooling, which terrifies me, but... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope they don't ever make me do year-round schooling at my law school. But for homeschoolers like yourself, let's talk about summer for a while. What What are some ideas for summertime? Is, is summer an all-year schooling kind of a thing for you? I don't do all-year-round schooling. We start in August and end in May. Uh, what I did when the children were younger, I would have them do a math worksheet every day, like five, 10 minutes of math, just to keep up skills, you know, basic multiplication facts, things like that. And everybody has to read. Everybody gets a reading list for the summer, but it's it's a much more relaxed kind of reading. It's fun reading. They're good books, but they're not anything that anybody's going to look at and go, oh, I don't want to do this, you know? So we do that. But I also try to focus on um, field trips that maybe we can't get around to during the school year. I live in New York, so sometimes the weather isn't 
conducive to getting out a lot. So we do a lot of hiking. We do, I love to have them visit at least one historic thing a summer. So we'll go to say Williamsburg or we did Gettysburg a couple of years ago. We went camping at Gettysburg and the kids loved that. We try to do that kind of thing. And the museums, a lot of the museums around here are free in the summer. So we'll do a lot of that. I, I live very close to New York City, so we can get into the city and do those kinds of things. So it's a nice way to have a relaxed learning experience. We get outside nature a lot. We do a lot of nature journaling, things like that. You're still learning because, again, you're living that lifestyle of homeschooling. It's not really something you just do like 8 to 12 or 8 to 3. It's something we live. I really try to make the summer that more relaxed learning experience and have a lot of fun. You should have fun in the summer. Everybody should. So maybe let's address that. Like, why not do an all year round schooling? Because I guess the concern in the public schools is what you were addressing earlier, which is skills. Like, oh, if we let them go for the whole summer, then when they come back, we have to spend a whole month just reviewing what we did last year and it's just wasted educational time. I mean, isn't there a similar reason to say for homeschooling, let's just kind of school all year? There probably is. And a lot of people do. I mean, some people would consider that I homeschool all year because I do make them do a little bit of math and reading and some journaling and things like that when they're younger. I know quite a few people who homeschool all year, but they take, say, they'll take the month of December off for Christmas and things like that. Or they'll school six weeks on, one week off, six weeks on, one week off. A lot of people who are deployed, you know, military families, they arrange things around deployments and where they're moving and stuff like that. So they'll school in the summer, but maybe take off October, November if they're moving somewhere. What's wonderful about it is you can customize it to your lifestyle. So you know, as long as you're getting in 180 days of education, it doesn't matter what 180 days they are. <laughs> to, you know, it could be anything. And the children are progressing. You know, if they're moving forward in their studies, make it work for you. Don't, you know, hold yourself to some silly school schedule. Let me ask you about that, though. So you live in New York, which, as far as I know, is one of the more restrictive states when it comes to homeschooling rules. Yes. It is. And there are some folks, like in Florida, we're pretty non-restrictive. Some states don't have any restrictions at all, but some of them are more high-maintenance high, high maintenance, uh, states. Can you do the kinds of things you were just suggesting without getting into trouble with your school board? Like if you decided you wanted to take October and November off, I mean, that, that wouldn't be a problem. Do you have any advice for folks trying to figure that stuff out? I don't actually tell them I send them an attendance record and they've been very accommodating to me with, because here in New York, they, um, children do school from September to late June, very late June. I do it from August to May. So when I told them that they were fine with it, it didn't matter at all because the people in the office are there all year round. So they're processing your paperwork all year round. So the only thing they insist on for me is having um, my letter of intent, which is a letter I have to send them every year to, to tell them where we intend to homeschool these children. Um, I have to have that in by July 1st every year, but then I can start schooling on July 2nd. So they don't really care. Again, they want 180 days and I send them an attendance record and I mark the 180 days that we've done. And that's really just a sheet with the 12 month calendar on it. And I circle, it's nothing more than a Google sheet 
printed out. Yeah, and they they don't seem to care about that too much. Honestly, I I kind of feel like they take all that paperwork and throw it in a drawer somewhere and don't even look at it. I know that sounds awful, but I've never had anybody question anything I've sent them. So I can't imagine in 21 years, you know, I've done everything perfectly. I'm sure I haven't. So I think they throw it in a drawer just to have coverage in case somebody asks them about it. Yeah, we had homeschooled in the military. So we were moving around to a lot of different states and having to comply with different rules. And there was one state where... My wife, I think quarterly, was having to bring her materials to somebody in the school district just to show them what they yeah. were doing. And so I can imagine a scenario where that could sometimes be an issue. But you have not heard of this ever being an issue with any of the homeschoolers that you interact with. And you interact yeah. with a lot of homeschoolers. No, Ed, yeah, I do. We have a huge homeschool group, a Catholic one on Long Island. I was the 25th family to join, and now there's well over 300 of them. There are a lot of homeschoolers in my village just secular. And there's an enormous, enormous Christian group here called Leah, Learning Educators at Home or something. So it's it's not uncommon around here to homeschool. So people aren't, they're pretty relaxed about it, the school district. They require a lot of paperwork from me, but they, I think they're used to now homeschoolers just kind of do their own thing. All right. So other ideas for summer. So one possibility is, hey, keep homeschooling throughout the summer if it works in your life. So what are some of the other ideas that you've come across or tips you might have for some of our homeschooling listeners? I like to keep a little bit to a schedule in the summer. I let the kids sleep in a little later than I normally would, um, and they stay up a little bit later, but I don't let it kind of fall apart. I like to have meals at certain times and to keep, I have a lot of people living in the house, so I have to keep some kind of order. And I like people to get up because if you let it go completely during the summer, the schedule, when you start back up again, it's a nightmare. It's just a nightmare for two weeks. I've made that mistake more than once and I will never do it again. So people get up during the year. I have them get up 637. In the summer, it's 839, but you have to get up. You have to you know, make your bed, brush your teeth, <laughs> the whole thing. We're not lazing around all day and kind of have a plan for your day. You have to do something. You can't sit in front of a screen or you know, none of that stuff goes on. So they have to use their imaginations. They have to get outside, build a fort, ride your bikes, do all that kind of stuff. We'll go to the beach, but you have to have some kind of a schedule. That's that's like my biggest piece of advice for moms, because otherwise you're just, you're going to make yourself crazy when you start back up again. What about your older teenagers? Like that sounds great for like a 10 year old, yeah. but how do you get your 16 year olds to number one, go to bed at a curfew time in the summer. And then number two, to not want to just sit and binge watch some Netflix show all day. <laughs> Well, I have the Netflix password, <laughs> so they don't pay for it. <laughs> That's a little bit more difficult. Once my um, my kids hit 14 or 15, they have jobs in the summer. Jobs become a priority. And so if you're working late, which a few of them do work until 10 or 11 at night, they work at restaurants um, locally. So yes, you can sleep in. So your schedule kind of revolves around the job that you're doing or the volunteer work that you're doing. A few of them volunteer up at church during the summer, help with vacation Bible camp and things like that. That becomes the schedule. Um, you're right. That kind of schedule is much better for up to preteens. But once they get a job, and it's very good for kids to have jobs and to have those commitments and responsibilities as young as possible. Once they get a job, we kind of revolve around that as our schedule. And what's interesting about what you just said is I think a very homeschooling kind of an attitude like, oh, well, my kids are teenagers, they're volunteering, they're getting a job. I'm not so sure every, you know, kid in the public or private schools 
families are saying that, you know, they might just be like, well, it's summertime, let them have off, let them be able to hang out and play with their friends. And I think even that type of an attitude is a, a homeschooler's attitude. Is that is that accurate? Or am I being too tough on the non homeschoolers? Most of my kids friends who are homeschooled have summer jobs, and they all have friends who go to brick and mortar schools. And I'm just thinking they don't really have jobs. There is that kind of you've been locked in a building for nine months now, enjoy yourselves for a couple of months. And I get that. That's nice. But I think it's just important for kids to start saving money toward college or a car, whatever it is they want. My husband and I, we have a big family and we live in an expensive part of the United States. We can't help with everything we'd like to be able to. So they have to kick in. If they want a car, they have to buy it. You know, they have to kick in for their cell phones after a certain age. They have to do all the and it's just being responsible. I mean, I've always thought you're raising adults, you're not raising children. So you want them to be competent, responsible people when they're ready to go off into the world. And having a job and, and responsibilities is part of that. Spoken like a true homeschooler. Um, <laughs> what about any money saving tips for the summer? Not every family is going to have the money to, you know, whatever, go take big vacations or whatever. Um, have right. you found over the years that there are things that you can do in the summer and do them on the cheap? Sure. We get the Empire Pass, which is the New York State Parks Pass. So I think it's $50 this year. And then we can get into all the state parks. So there's a lot of hiking, there's beaches, there's all kinds of stuff like that. So that's a very good investment and can provide all kinds of different experiences. So if your state has something like that, I'd look into that. The other thing is camping, which I have to tell you, Tony, I detest. Like a two-star hotel is camping to me. I hate it. But it's cheap. I mean, you can take a bunch of kids. If you have a couple of tents, go to Walmart, buy a couple of tents, borrow tents. Your local Boy Scout troop has tents. They'll lend them out to you sometimes. And then you can go to a KOA is actually a nice one. And they're the pricey ones. That's like $30 a night. But we've gone to some that ugh, were not that nice. But it's a very cost-effective way to bring a bunch of kids somewhere and, and see something beautiful. You know, it's just not my thing. But I do it. I do it. I've laid on the floor in a tent. I've done it. Yeah, my wife's idea of camping was we had to buy like a brand new 27 foot travel trailer. And then ah. she camped, she camped all summer in that, but uh, <laughs> it wasn't quite the same uh, as your experience uh, yeah. you were describing. Good so, um, exactly. <laughs> also, for any military people, they should probably know if they don't already know that, like the national parks and a lot of state parks, essentially, mm -hmm. even me as a retiree, I get, I have a free national park pass that you get for you and, and your family just for having been in the military. Um, so check those benefits out because uh, those are often cost saving. Uh, any, any other suggestions on uh, summertime ideas for homeschoolers? It's a great time to delve into your children's interests, um, especially when they're very young. They get so much joy out of learning things and they're so curious. Um, so if you have a little guy who's just wild about dinosaurs, find the dinosaur park near you, go to the Natural History Museum, read him a ton of books about dinosaurs, have him draw dinosaurs, look at a YouTube video about dinosaurs that really get into their interests, whatever it is. So if it's music or if it, actually our historic trip this year is going to be the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because I'm raising a bunch of musicians and there's music history there. I mean, it sounds a little goofy, but they're older now and they're not as interested in, you know, digging up pellets at Gettysburg in the field. So, so we're going to do that. Like really immerse yourself in their interests and try to have fun with it because what you're teaching them is how to learn and you're teaching them the curiosity is a good thing. And, and then you get to spend this time enjoying them. And that's the biggest benefit of homeschooling is that you just enjoy your children so much. 
Absolutely, you do. So, all right. So, final question before we move to our entertainment segment. Uh, so, if if you've got a listener who is on the fence about homeschooling, they're trying to discern it for themselves or their family, or it's a grandparent who wants to make a suggestion to a a child of theirs who's raising kids. Do you have any words of advice for the discerning non-homeschooler about you know is homeschooling right for me? Yes. Um, well, first, pray about it. You know, go to adoration and pray about it. God will let you know if he thinks you should be doing this. Second of all, try to find a homeschool group in your area. Check with the parishes or your diocese and try to meet some of the homeschoolers. You know, they have events all year long. You know, they do park meetups and book clubs and things like that. Check with the moms and see if this is something that will work for you and you're meeting like-minded people and you're, you enjoy the company and, and then listen to my podcast <laughs> and, and you can also find me all over social media. I'm happy to answer any questions people have about homeschooling, however you want to homeschool, whether it's Seton or Charlotte Mason type or classical, whatever. Um, I've been around a long time and I'm happy to help people, but I think the most important thing is to um, pray about it and kind of try to find your tribe of people. And if people do want to learn more about you or get a hold of your podcast or even see some of what you're doing with Seton, uh, where should they go to find all that? Okay, the podcast is available anywhere you'd listen to a podcast. So um, iTunes and, and Amazon and Stitcher and all those places. And then I am easily findable on Facebook, just Mary Ellen Barrett, that's my name. And also on Instagram, Mary Ellen Barrett. So people DM me those ways all the time. And I'm also at Seton. It's mbarrett at setonhome.org. That's my uh, my email there. So you can always catch me there too. And the podcast is called Stay at Homeschooling Moms. Right. Stay at Homeschooling Moms podcast. All right. Well, let's head into our entertainment segment. In our entertainment segment, I like to ask our guests if they have any good suggestions for families, for whether books, movies, or other items. Uh, here we are heading into summer. Uh, Mary Ellen, do you have any good suggestions for summer reading for our kids? I do. I do. I love the Mysterious Benedict Society series of books. Um, I first started, we were driving down to Georgia, and I put it in as an audiobook. I had it on CD. That's how long ago this was. And the kids were just so into it. We missed our exit. I was into it too. I just drove right by my exit on 95. And then after that, when we had finished it, they wanted to actually read the book. They they asked me to buy them the book. And now I think there are four of them in the series. And they're exciting. They're adventurous. They're suitable. I want to say like from maybe six years old to 12 years old. I mean, it's just a good story. So to listen to or to, to read aloud to the younger ones, it's really good. It's really good. It's about friendship and camaraderie and kids working together and good versus evil and good winning out. So it's a really good story. I don't want to give too much of it away because I love people to explore it themselves. But then um, most of my kids have read all four books. I see that it's put out by Little Brown Books for Young Readers, uh, the Mysterious Benedict Society, with the author being Trenton Lee Stewart. Right. So the other thing I'm noticing is Disney seems to have picked this up on Disney+. Plus. Have you seen any of the Disney renditions of this? No, I haven't. I didn't realize that. We don't watch a whole lot of TV here. So 
you know, you never know with Disney. <laughs> you never know. Well, that's what I was about to ask. Is there anything in these books? Like these are not put out by a religious publisher or anything. So I take it they're a secular series. Is there anything in there that uh, as a parent they should be aware of? Anything that they've addressed that, you know, they'd want to know as a parent? No. Um, there are a couple of incidences where the kids uh, lie to get out of a bad situation, that kind of thing. Nothing terrible. Um, it's one of those the kids are caught up in bad situations, so they have to kind of figure their way out of it and, and kind of go against the bad things. So there is a little bit of that, which I know some people have views about children behaving badly or lying or something like that, but it's always in the context of doing the right thing, getting the right end. So it never bothered me. And there was nothing in those books that um, a mom would say, oh, no, this is awful. We can't, you know, there's nothing sexual in them or there's no bad language or anything like that. Okay, great. So the Mysterious Benedict Society series of books. Uh, wonderful. Well, that sounds great. I appreciate that. And uh, Mary Lane, I appreciate having you on the show and all of the great advice you've given about homeschooling today. Oh, well, it was delightful. Thank you for asking me. Uh, unfortunately, that is all the time we have for the show today. We've been speaking with Mary Ellen Barrett about homeschooling and especially homeschooling in the summertime. Again, this is Anthony Barone-Colank. If you have a question for me or a topic you want me to cover, don't hesitate to drop me a line on my website at anthonycolank.com. Also, if you have a homeschooling group and you want me to come speak at your group, I'm glad to do so uh, via Zoom or in person if you're nearby. So uh, you can also find those request links on my website. And until next time, may God bless you and your families as we work together to raise faithful kids. 